Galatians chapter 1. I'm actually going to start in verse 6, but we will be going through verses 1 through 10 today. So just a reminder of where we're going to be at today. The book of Galatians and then chapter 1. The Bible says in Galatians 1 verse 6, Paul writes, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be, what is that, Rick? Anathema, right? Let him be accursed. So we saw that word today. That is such a strong word. I think that word is even used in, in a way that's pejorative or in a very negative way in the culture. We would probably be a little bit shocked to hear Paul use that word. Like, you're a Christian and you use that word? And that's how serious he is about this idea of another gospel. And so today, hopefully, you will hear the Lord speaking to your heart. Just real two big picture things today. One is there is no other gospel. And the other idea is who are you trying to please? We're going to try to cover those things, and they kind of go together. Because when you try to please someone else besides the Lord, that's when you're susceptible to another gospel. Okay? From John Stott, this is really good, this quote, to start us off this morning. The concept of substitution, like the substitution of Jesus on our behalf, the concept of substitution lies at the heart of both sin and salvation. For the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Right? Where are you today? Are you taking the place of God? Or are you humbly offering yourself up to the Lord. Let's look at some background just briefly this morning. Again, we've had a lot of this you guys have had in Sunday school, so hopefully it'll all really start to click and come together. I know for me, I need repetition. It really helps me to learn and to understand. Let's look at verses one through five as we get started today. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. So you know a little bit about your church history. You'll know that Paul made three missionary journeys. And as Barnabas and Paul were on the first journey, they would have went through part of Galatia. Galatia is more of a region than a city. So we might kind of think of it as like in a generic way, like a state or a group of states. The Midwest may be an idea, right? So Paul is making his way through. And what you're going to see, he's not writing to just one church. He's writing to believers across a lot of churches in this part of the world. It was probably around 15 years or so uh, after Paul's conversion, uh, probably been for, again, for our timeline today, around A.D. 50. So, again, not to go too deep in all of your uh, biblical timelines, Jesus, although he was 33 years old, probably actually because of some calendar mistakes, died around 30 A.D. 
So about 20 years after Jesus died and rose again, went to be with the Lord, Paul is writing to all these churches in Galatia. Now, here is the problem. Let's see if I can set this well for us today. Paul wrote to these churches because there were people coming around and they were laying a trap for the Christians in those churches, mostly Gentile Christians, okay? So even in this region, there would have been Jews, and the Jews would have been, many of them that became Christ followers, many of them would have been tempted to figure out what part of my past faith do I hold on to and what part do I let go? And so some of them, after they came to Christ and were changed, tremendously changed, as they went along, they all of a sudden just started to kind of revert back to following some of those practices. I won't eat this. I like, I won't eat pork. I won't eat seafood. They would have certain holidays and feasts. Well, we got to have the Feast of the Tabernacles. And then what came out beyond that was they started trying to make the Gentiles do the same things that they practiced. And so as you'll see later on in the book, uh, for Jewish males, they were to be circumcised at eight days old. And so some of these Jewish Christian leaders, Christians with quotes around it, said, well, all you Gentiles, if you're going to be right with God, you're going to have to start eating like we eat. You're going to have to start celebrating the holidays that we celebrate, and all the men need to be circumcised. They started adding to the truth that the just shall live by faith. And what got in the way was the culture. Can you hear me out today? Do you guys understand what a church culture is? All right. And church culture, it's all around the world, but we've even for times, we've actually taken our American church culture and tried to force it as the gospel in foreign lands. And today, what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to try to strip away our culture and get directly to the heart of the gospel. So the problem here was that people just like you, people who have repented of their sins, who trusted in Jesus by faith, they started trying to please other people, and by doing so, they thought that, well, if I'll be a good enough person, God will be approved. And so Paul is trying to correct that problem. The point he's going to make here is that it begins with he needs some authority. So he starts off at the beginning, and he reminds them, hey, I'm an apostle. Now, the word apostle means that it's somebody who is sent, and definitely Paul was sent out all over the world to share the gospel but here it's more than just that. It's not just that he was one who was sent like any missionary, but that he is one of the apostles, one of the 12, right? So we have the initial 11, and then Paul actually saw the Lord. And so he is trying to convey to these people that he loved so much, people that he, many of them, that he led to the Lord, who came to the Lord because of his very preaching, that he has some authority to speak into their lives. And he does that, and he sent, in verse 1, he even says, I was not sent from men nor by a man, but by Jesus. Where does his authority come from? The Lord himself, right? There's not some council at Jerusalem that said, Paul, we put our stamp of approval on you. You go out. <laughs> they'll say that later on. They'll have a conversation. But he says it wasn't any group of men. It wasn't a single man who said, you have authority it was God himself who anointed him and who sent him out. And so again, he's making his case for the people to listen to what he has to say. 
And again, who is this God? <laughs> he's the God who raised Jesus from the dead. So he's the one who gets to have the authority. And all the brothers and sisters out with Paul to all these churches, I want to speak to you. Now, Paul speaks out and he, he gives a very common greeting. In some of the pastoral epistles, he'll see grace and peace, excuse me, grace, peace, and mercy. But here we see in Galatians, we just have grace and peace. And I kind of like what Ray said this morning. Paul starts out with his normal greeting, and he says, grace and peace to you. Oh, yeah, great. Paul, this is going to be a good letter. I haven't heard from Paul in a while. How's things going? And usually after Paul would speak peace and grace, he'd have like a few verses. Sometimes the whole first chapter was all about thanksgiving and praise and how proud of you he was. And right off the bat, he'd go, I'm astonished. What are you doing? And that's the tone. And we're going to get to that tone in just a second. He has a brief little moment here of, hello, so glad to see you. All the formalities. You know, he was writing his textbook fourth grade letter. It's good to see you today. And now I got to say what I need to say. Grace and peace. Again, written here for all the churches. And the truth that rings through then in verse four, again, grace and peace from the Father and from Jesus. And who is this Jesus? He's the one who gave himself for our sins. And he's setting the tone right for the whole chapter. We talked about this last week with the thief on the cross. You remember that, right? Jesus was perfect, but he gave himself for our sins. What is the gospel and its very basic meaning? What is? What is it? It is the good news. But you don't get good news without the bad news. <laughs> And I'm afraid we, again, sometimes we want to skip over the bad news, but we've got to be clear about the truth of sin. And so Paul starts off right at the beginning. Let me set my, uh, my theology class here as we get going. He is the one who gave himself for our sins. And why did he do that? To rescue us from the evil age. And you thought you were in an evil age, right? Again, we've been learning that, right? That there has been evil since uh, Adam and Eve. And here we have it again, Paul says, a reminder, Jesus came to rescue you from the evil age. It was God's will that he would do so. And verse 5, it is to God's what? To his glory, okay? Again, it was good. I like hearing you guys in Sunday school. I wish I could be in your Sunday school class every week. Uh, Diane mentioned this in such a very powerful way in chapter 2, where Paul says, Jesus died for me, right? So that truth is important. But here we have the overarching truth of what your preacher prays all the time, that God's name would be hallowed and that we'd be filled with great joy, right? The same truth echoing here in chapter one, that everything I'm about to tell you, Paul says, it is about the glory of God forever and forever. And so here's what I want to get to. This is the whole point, I think, of, to me, of the, the book of Galatians, and it's going to be filled with the idea of living by the Spirit. You need the gospel for your whole life, not just the beginning. Okay, I, I want to share from my experience just a little bit. This is, again, I was a little kid, so maybe the way I interpreted things was a little different, okay? But the way it looked to me as a little kid was, I'm desperate, I need help, I'm going to go to hell if I don't have Jesus, I need Jesus to come and take over my life. And I, I prayed, and when I did, it was the best feeling I ever had, and I would tell my friends about it. And then after that, what 
appeared to me, the way it appeared to me in church was, okay, now that you're in the club, I've got a list of things for you to do to earn your favor with God. What do you think was on that list? There's a whole bunch of don'ts, right? Okay. Again, young, feel Baptist. Um, so we didn't go. If there was a bowling alley in town that we'd like to go bowling, well, they didn't serve uh, they, they served alcohol, so we drove 30 minutes away as a church to go to a bowling alley that didn't serve alcohol, which I think there's a lot of good meaning in that. What I'm saying is, though, if that became a condition of my favor with God, that's a problem. It became a list of all the things you shouldn't say, and, and especially growing up in that, those 70s, it was really a list of how you look. Your appearance was so vital, Right? If you want to be approved by God, you better look like this. And we could talk about all those things even today and, and how that's changed in our culture, right? And then it was even about the things that you do. You better check off the boxes for all the things that you need to do. Did you read your Bible today? Did you pray today? Did you give your tithe this Sunday? Did you tell somebody else about Jesus? Are those things a Christian should be doing? Absolutely. But do they earn me favor with God? They do not. Did you hear that? I'm going to throw something at you that some of you are going to be like ready to walk out of church a little bit today, but we need to live by the spirit and not by the law. And so what that means, hear it out carefully here, right? We are no longer bound to the 10 commandments. What? Did you hear that? You're not bound to the 10 commandments. If you are filled with the Spirit of God, will you live out the principles of the Ten Commandments? You absolutely will, but we get it backwards. Sometimes we get that list of ten things, and we start saying, well, I did this, I did, I did this. Remember a guy did that, right? Well, what's his name? The rich young ruler. Remember he came to Jesus, and Jesus says, well, how are you doing with the Ten Commandments? And what did he do? He went down the whole second part of the list. He skipped the first part. That was convenient for him, right? He went down the second part of the list. He said, well, yeah, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't stolen anything. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't lied. I haven't coveted. Okay, Jesus says one thing, right? You just lack one thing. Give what you have, sell the poor, come follow me. And by the way, that's the first part of the tablet, <laughs> putting God first, okay? So today, as we work our way through this, I really want to challenge you. If you're trying to earn favor with God by being a good person, by being a good Christian, by being a good free old Baptist or a good cross-life person today, stop. What we need to do is when we get up in the morning, say, remember the day that I came to Christ and how desperate I was and I needed him to take over me? I need that same power today. I need the gospel today. The gospel that says I'm a sinner, I need a savior. His name is Jesus. Lord, I need you today. And to me, that is the heartbeat of Galatians. All right, look down at verse six. No other gospel, no other gospel. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But if even we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse, as we have already said. So now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. 
Paul here is challenging the church, and he's saying to these Galatian Christians, they have abandoned, they have deserted their calling. Like Rick shared with Sunday School this morning, it was a military idea when you abandon the troops, right? And that's what is happening here. You forgot. You remember when you got saved? How'd you feel then? Right? How'd you feel when the Lord first came into your heart? This little boy that was six years old hopped on that crazy girl's bicycle, went down to Brandon's, Brandon Horn's house, pulled in the driveway, wrecked in his white rock, still so excited, I got up and I had to tell Brandon what Jesus did for me. This little boy went to the next door neighbor, Todd Hawkins, said, Todd, come over here, let's get up and climb this tree. While we're in the climbing in the tree and we're sitting there, I said, Todd, you want to be saved? Here, pray this after me. <laughs> I was so thrilled because what a God had done for me. I wanted everybody to know my life was different and changed, and I wanted to share it and tell it. Have you forgot what Jesus did for you? Have you forgot? How many Sundays have you been at this church? Here we go again. I pulled up. Well, now it's even crazier because the preacher makes some of us show up at nine so we can practice. I got to get the coffee going, got to get me a donut, or but today we had some nice cinnamon rolls, right? Yeah. Oh, I got to go sit in that class and listen to the A team or the B team, or that crazy preacher's going to teach me, try to teach my kids, right? Then we're going to walk in here, and we, we need some instrumental help. We have a good pianist. If we could just ever get us a guitar player, it would be all right. And we're going to sing, and then give an offering. We'll get people to share their prayer requests. You know how it goes. Have some announcements at the end. Listen to a message. Go home. Have you forgot what Jesus did for you? Lord, help us all today, right? No, no, no. Don't forget. And that's what Paul is trying to remind these people. Have you forgot what you accepted? Have you forgot the transformation that took place? What I'm trying to share with you today is that the church at Galatia, many of those people were changed. They were transformed. They were doing some things before, and the Lord changed their life. They were reconciled. They were healed. They had hope. They had been filled by the Holy Spirit. But they were going back to try to live by the law. And we do the same thing. We know what it was when we were changed. We know the joy we felt. And then we get into the trap and the traditions of church culture, and we forget the joy. And we just start checking off the boxes so we think we'll be okay with God or with our other friends here. And God, sa God says through Paul today, don't, don't forget that gospel that you accepted. Here Paul mentions, and it's kind of interesting how these words are. He says that people are turning to a different gospel. I would say the word today, a modified gospel. It is another gospel, but there is no other gospel. Did you catch that? It is another, but there is no other. That's the point he's trying to make so clearly today. Only the good news found in Jesus is the gospel. Anything else is no gospel at all. And that's what needs to come out clear from our lives and to our family and to our friends. It's a reminder that the Christian faith is a relationship with Jesus and not just a list of do's and don'ts. Can you listen very closely in verse 6? If you've got your scriptures there, look in verse 6 again. He says, I'm, I'm astonished you are so quickly deserting the one who called you, and you're turning to a different gospel. You catch that? They are turning from a person 
to an idea. What's that tell us about our Christian faith? It's about a relationship with a person who died on a tree and rose again. Are you hearing that today? And I so believe, please hear me out, the Bible is foundational for our life and for our faith and for how we pursue the Lord. We wouldn't know the Lord without the scriptures. But if you are completely just trying to live by a book of rules and principles and you don't know the person who died for you, you've missed it. And that's what happened here. They were turning from the one to another idea. They were turning from a person to a practice. So keep that in your heart today, that you would not forsake the person who changed you and who made you what you are through him. Paul's reminder here is that anybody who preaches another gospel should be under God's curse. Did you catch that again? This is not a little thing. I don't think that I can share it in the appropriate way today to really catch the idea for you. But what Paul is saying here is, again, if you would hear me out this morning, in a modern vernacular, it would be something like this. If anybody else is preaching the word of God, that is, they're adding to the word of God, they're taking the way of the word of God, they're preaching another gospel, let them be damned. That's the kind of language he's using. Let them be accursed. Let them be destroyed. Because this is how powerful this is. If people get the wrong message, if they get a, a diluted gospel or if they get an, an added to gospel, they're going to miss the person of Jesus. And so that's why we have to so much from our pulpit, from our classrooms, from our daily practice, we've got to line ourselves up with Christ. Again, and Paul shared this morning a little bit that we need to keep going back to Jesus, right? That's what we have to continually, not ourselves, but Jesus, so we don't lose perspective on what is most important. And Paul says it twice, he says it, let them be cursed. That's how powerful it is. All right, well, what are some other gospels in our day? And we had a really good discussion on that this morning, but I wanted to bring up something I share quite a bit. And again, I think repetition is helpful. Another gospel sometimes displays itself in cults, not cults but cults. <laughs> C-U-L-T-S. I don't want you people here out there, right? Okay. Cults. What does a cult do? Basically, it tries to steal you away from the truth. And something I've shared many times, and I think this has always helped me, hopefully it'll be helpful to you a little bit too, is that cults are very good at math. Okay. They're good at addition. They're good at subtraction. They're good at multiplication and division. When I learned this, it kind of stuck with me a long time ago. It's one of the few things I didn't have to write down, and I still remember. <laughs> what do cults do as far as addition? They add to the word of God, right? When you think about um, Mormons, do they just go follow the Bible? No, they have another book of writings, right? In most cults, when you talk to them, they will say, oh, yeah, that's good, but here's some additional revelation you need to know. And that's what, what was going here on the church at Galatia is the same thing. Oh, it's good that you say you should live by faith, but there's some other things that you're just not grown up enough yet, you Gentiles, that you need to know. You need to know not to eat these things. You need to know to celebrate these holidays. You need to know that your men need to be circumcised. You need to add these things, and then, then finally you'll be okay. Do we do the same thing in church culture sometimes? We do. Now, the hard part is, I'm usually the one advocating for church culture. 
I want you to pray. I want you to read your Bible. I want you to be baptized. I want you to give. I want you to share the gospel. I want you to do Christian disciplines. I want you to fill your mind with good things. But I don't want you to do things thinking that those things are earning you approval with God. The only thing that's going to earn you approval with God is if you say, I trust in Jesus. <laughs> and then once you trust in Jesus, those other things will come about, all right? Colts will tell you, well, yeah, that's good that you would trust in Jesus, but you need to do a few more things. Colts like to subtract. What do they subtract? The deity of Christ, right? Paul was sharing a little bit about meeting with Jehovah's Witnesses. What are they going to tell you? They're going to say that Jesus was lowercase a God. And we will go to John 1 and say, well, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And they're going to say, oh, I got a little different translation. And mine says, no, that he was a God. <laughs> right? They're going to subtract from the deity of Christ. Because if Jesus really is God, that's authority in their life. That's some submission that they have to make. That's some changes that they have to consider. So what they're going to do is they're going to be like, well, Jesus was a good teacher. He was a good person. He was a holy man. He was spirit-filled. But they will not admit that he is the very true one and only God. But that's what the Bible teaches. So if you're around a cult, they will add to the word of God. They will subtract the deity of Christ. If you start hearing someone subtracting that, that Jesus is not completely God, then you need to run. What's the third thing they do? They multiply works to salvation, right? Oh, well, that's good. But here's these other things. There's, we have five principles that you need to abide by, and then maybe God will accept you. Uh, that would be Islam, okay? And even sometimes in our own uh, fundamental churches, like where I grew up at, if we're not careful, they didn't mean for it to be that way. But a young person coming through there can begin to think, well, if I look like brother so-and-so, and if I do what sister so-and-so said to me, and I follow all these rules, then I'm going to get my badges. <laughs> I'm going to be in heaven. And that's what the scripture teaches, right? Be careful that you don't multiply works. The last thing, and you see this in cults all the time, is they will divide loyalty, right? Jim Jones, one of our own Indianapolis people, right? What was he doing? He was dividing loyalty. Well, you need to listen to me. You need to come with me. You need to separate from the things you know and the people that love you and care about you. And you need to let me be your guide and your leader. Let me be your truth teller, right? If your preacher ever sets himself up in some way that he's dividing your loyalties from Jesus and from other believers, then you need to kick him out, right? Just like Paul said, let me be accursed. That's what Paul is saying here. And that's what cults do. So again, watch for your kids, watch for your communities. And if you hear things like this, where they're taking away who Jesus is, or they're adding to the word of God, or they're saying, well, it's good that you do that, but you need to do these other things, or especially if they're dividing loyalties, that's another gospel. Let those who are speaking it be a curse. Let them come to Christ. Let them be a curse for the gospel that they're speaking. Now, what else is some other gospel ideas? And again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we talked about them in Sunday school today. But commonly in our day, it's very much the idea that if you do more good things than bad things, or if you're genuinely, genuinely a sincere or a kind or a good person, then you'll make heaven just fine. That is another gospel. That is no gospel at all. Again, it shows up in a variety of ways, even in the local church, even today. 
uh, here, especially in Galatians, though, it's that people initially came to Christ because they realized their sinfulness and helplessness and that only the grace of God could save them. But later on, they start thinking they can win and earn God's favor, favor, and they start trying to live the law of God rather than living by the Spirit. Even today, we have sometimes unwritten rules, right? That's what cultures have, don't they? The rules that everybody else knows, but sometimes they're not spoken. And when you break one, what happens? <gasps> can you believe that he did that? Can you believe she did that? Do we have that in church culture? Absolutely, right? And again, those things are sometimes, again, for young believers who can be confused, they may be thinking that those things are what's going to make them right with God. And we need to make sure that's clear. That's not how this works. Can we make this this morning from the book of James is so clear. Christian works follows faith that comes through our relationship with Jesus and not the other way around. When I was in college, we had a quartet and we would sing. And one time in the summer, we did an old Rich Mullins song. It was called Screen Door on a Submarine. What? Screen Door on a Submarine? And the main line of the song was that faith without works is dead. It's like a screen door on a submarine. Right? Think about that. Now, here's the key, though. You, if you say you have faith, but you have no works, you have a dead faith. But if you have works, but you have no faith and no Jesus you're still lost. You guys, we all have people in our lives who are good people. We have a ton of people who are helping the homeless that don't follow Jesus. There are people working in hospitals. Those nurses blow me away. When I've been going to see Miss Charlotte, kudos to people like Melissa and like Central Lester, like Casey. I mean, people in those rooms screaming and hollering and just losing their mind and not enough helpers and these men and women going through and loving on those people. They are amazing. But there are many of those people that are doing those acts of kindness that don't know Jesus. So what will you see here, what the point of the matter is, is that we, we come to Christ, then the good works flow out of that faith. That's what Paul's saying here. We'll be saying that throughout this whole book. But that is the point here. Paul mentions, again, if somebody is preaching or teaching another gospel, let them be cursed. He says it twice. And I've been really thinking about this. has been on my mind a lot lately. It is not loving to refuse to share the truth of the gospel with people around you. Hello? This is, for, this is probably more for me than any of you here today. Sometimes we were like, well, I just want to be kind and nice and I want to be loving. If somebody is headed down a train track and a train is coming and you don't say anything, I don't think you're very loving. Hello? Right now, again, we've got to follow the Lord's lead in this, right? We can't step out ahead of the Holy Spirit. The whole book is going to be about living in the Spirit. But I think a lot of times because of our fear of what we're about to talk about, because of our fear of the opinions of other people, we're just like, well, I won't be the one to say anything. And I want to tell you again today, it is not loving to refuse to share the gospel with others. Again, we need to do it in, in the Spirit of God. All right, one more idea, and then we'll be tying things up today. Look down at verse 10. Who are you trying to please? Verse 10, Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant. I like the word slave even better. I would not be a slave of Christ. 
Again, this could happen to a lot of believers, right? I think Ray would probably share it. He's probably sitting in the music industry more very often, Christian music industry. Someone has a genuine heart. They have a genuine talent. They start offering that talent to God. And it's like, wow, all these people are enjoying my music. And the next thing you know, what happens? Hey, I'm pretty awesome. Hey, I, I like pleasing people. Hey, I like being on the stage. Hey, I want this influence and this power and authority. And that never happens with preachers, right, Paul? It's the same thing sometimes with preachers, right? Somebody who has a really good gift and all of a sudden they grow a congregation, they grow an audience. And the next thing you know, like, hey, I like this. And Paul here is saying the same thing. I started with the Lord, but am I now going around trying to please people? Am I now going around and be really careful about my words and kind of cut the corners, dilute my message, change what I'm saying so I can keep a really good audience? And some people do that. And Paul here is saying very clearly, I am not trying to please people. I'm just trying to please God. You guys, if you don't take anything else, grab hold of this part of the message today. Stop pleasing people. Right? Well, I don't like what Todd wore today. I told him. And he's like, oh, I can't believe that preacher. He didn't approve of me. Well, I'm going to have to change what I'm doing. Now, we're making jokes at it, but really, that's kind of what sometimes that works, right? Well, I needed to do this, but I was afraid how it might look. Preachers in the back today were in Sunday school, and I'm on my phone here. You can even hear it in my mind how it even works on me. And I'm looking at my Bible, and I was looking up the hymn story for Come Thou Fount a little bit as well. And I thought, oh, no, here comes that Melissa. She's walking behind me. She's just going to think the preacher's just goofing off on his phone in Sunday school. And we laugh and we joke, but sometimes don't we live our lives that way? I'm going to do this because I'm afraid what somebody else will think about me. I'm going to do this. For preachers, a lot of times, it's, I really want to, I know I need to be at that ball game with my child, but I know if I don't go see sister so-and-so, that somebody's going to be really mad at me. So I'm going to abandon my child, and I'm going to go do this to please someone rather than obeying what the Lord has put on my heart. Hello? You guys, some of you are doing it today. You are here to please people, and I'm telling you to stop it. In fact, preacher said, don't come back to church. <laughs> no, you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and quit trying to make people happy. You're not going to. Hello? That's coming from an old person. It took me 50 years to learn it, but I think I about got it. You can try and try and try, and you will not make people happy. I think it was Abe Lincoln said it, right? <laughs> you can please some of the people some of the time, but you won't please all the people all the time. That's just not going to happen, right? Here today, Paul says, I'm going to please the Lord. I'm going to stop pleasing people. And that's how people get into this other gospel. They start trying to please other people instead of really pleasing the Lord or please themselves instead of pleasing the Lord, and they get into trouble. Dorothy Sayers says it this way. It is not the business of the church to adapt Christ to men, but men to Christ. <laughs> right? We're not to adapt the gospel. We're not to change the church. We're to let the gospel change people. And again, and you guys know this a hundred times, convey this with the people that you love. It's not about getting yourself all cleaned up first, and then you come to Christ. Is that what happened to Donald a few weeks ago? Did he finally decide, well, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be a kinder person. No, he had the Lord touch his heart and his life in a really profound way and showed up. But he's like, okay, I'm going to follow you, Lord. And for most of us, that's what it is, right? There's so many people that think, I've got to get cleaned up, and then I'll be what, what the Lord wants me to be. That's not how it works. 
You come to Christ, he changes you, and then you can be what he wants you to be. Let that message be carried out. Stop trying to please people. Please the Lord. Again, please hear the preacher today. I'm so still working on this lesson, but it's amazing the freedom in your life that comes when you stop trying to please people. It doesn't matter what Rick thinks of me. I love Rick. But ultimately, when it's all said and done, that doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter what my coworkers think of me if I am pleasing the Lord. Please the Lord first. Let everything else fall where it needs to be. For some of you here today, I think you need to hear this message. Please the Lord first. Paul again says, if he were still trying to please people, he couldn't be Christ's slave. Do you realize you can only be one person's slave, right? You can't, you can't serve both God and money. Who said that? Jesus, right? You can't be slave to two masters. And here Paul's saying the same thing. Either you're going to please people or you're going to please the Lord. You need to pick who you're going to please. C.S. Lewis wrote it this way. He said, I became my own only when I gave myself to another. That's when I found freedom. I found freedom when I finally became a slave to the Lord. Today, again, I want to ask you, do you find yourself constantly looking for the approval of others or the Lord? Why do you share what you, what's going on in your life? The, the fancy modern term is called a humble brag. You guys know what a humble brag is? Oh, y'all, you just really need to pray for me. I mean, I was just out giving to the poor. I was out helping the homeless, and I don't have all that I need, but you just need to pray for me. I've been spending all my time in prayer in my closet, and, and I don't have the, some of the necessity I need, but you just need to pray for me. Why, why would I share that that way? Well, so everybody would know what a great person I am. And I wouldn't say it out loud that way, would I? Right? And Paul made a good point this morning. Sometimes when we're sharing our testimony, we have no desire or intent to be bragging ourselves. We're trying to say what the Lord has done, but sometimes we do. Right? And that is pleasing people. I want people to know what a good this or that I am. And it don't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they are pleasing you. We need to please the Lord alone. And then we won't be susceptible to other gospel. Okay, I want to close with this illustration. For more than 40 years, a lighthouse stood on a large peninsula jutting into the Tasman Sea in the south of Australia. It stood at a place where it should not have, and it lured ignorant ships into the very rocks they were trying to avoid. The cliffs around Cape St. George, just south of Jervis Bay, were notorious for shipwrecks. So it was decided a lighthouse was needed for the safe navigation of coastal shipping. In 1857, the colonial architect Alexander Dawson began looking for a site suitable for a lighthouse on Cape St. George. Unfortunately, Mr. Dawson was more interested in the ease of construction rather than providing an efficient navigation aid. When the pilot's board went to verify the location Dawson chose, they found that the site was not visible from the required approaches. They also found Dawson's map suffered from discrepancies so grave that it is impossible to decide whether positions marked on the map even existed. The board also suspected that Dawson chose the site because it was situated closer 
to a quarry he planned to obtain stones from. Again, he wanted to make it easy. Despite the glaring deficiencies and disagreement by a majority of the board, for reasons not known, the chairman of the board authorized the construction of the lighthouse. For the next four decades, the ill-sided lighthouse was responsible for some two dozen shipwrecks. Eventually, in 1899, the lighthouse was replaced by the point perpendicular lighthouse in a much more suitable location on that part of the coast. But even after its decommissioning, the lighthouse continued to cause navigational problems, especially on moonlit nights when the golden sandstone tower glowed in the dark. So near the turn of the century, the tower was reduced to rubble to prevent any further disaster. There are many different ideas today pretending to provide rescue and salvation but the gospel is clear. There is only one name under heaven that provides salvation. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to by mankind by which we must be saved. It's about Jesus. If we make it about us, we are a bad lighthouse. We're going to lead other people astray. Tear down the lighthouse. Destroy it. Let it be cursed. Get rid of that stuff. Please the Lord and let his light reflect and shine through you so that people can know the true gospel and be changed and saved and reconciled to their creator. Let's stand this morning.